0: Welcome to the second edition of our new-look and format Brexit Business Show, coming to you now in both video and audio format, no expense spared. As always, our aim is to liven up Brexit and bring it out of its doldrums, warts and all. Now, in today's show, Hugh Morgan-Williams brings you his digest, Hugh's News, the Brexit news that you need to know. Then Hugh and myself will have a news chat about a topical item from the news which, hint, this episode, we could be a bit trussed up. By Malcolm's monolog we'll give you some practical guidance on the need to be agile in these volatile times. Too slow and you lose. Following that comes our brand new feature called Focus On, where we take a country each episode and talk about the business opportunities and challenges in that country. Last episode, it was Focus On India. This episode, Focus On Australia. Waltz in Matilda. The final segment, as in all our Brexit business shows, is our editorial comment called Hugh's View. Always to the point. <laughs> let's see what he's feeling like this episode. So let's get the star show shots. The show started with introducing Hugh's news.
1: Well, this week Eurostar is to axe direct services to Disneyland, blaming Brexit. Is claimed the government is no longer enforcing human rights with Brexit trade deals, Um, and Liz Truss is said to be considering triggering Article 16 of the Brexit trade deal if she becomes Prime Minister. The latest travel casualty of Brexit is the direct Disneyland Express from the UK to the Magic Kingdom, east of Paris. For the last 26 years, with a brief interruption for COVID, Eurostar has been running daily high-speed trains from London to Disneyland. The service is extremely popular with British families, but the Channel Tunnel operator will abandon the route from June next year, saying that it's a difficult economic time, and plus the logistical implications of Brexit. Already stations in Kent, Ebb's and Ashford have been closed to Eurostar traffic, and we're told will remain closed for at least the next two years. Eurostar said they had to concentrate on their core routes in France, Belgium and the Netherlands. New entry requirements are due to come into force next year and Eurostar says it would be too difficult to accommodate them for marginal routes. A leaked letter has revealed that the government is no longer planning to use its Brexit trade deals to spread and enforce human rights around the world. The letter from the International Trade Secretary Anne-Marie Trevelyan has added to criticism of the government's trade deal policy as it's becoming clear that animal welfare standards are also being watered down. Liz Truss is said to be considering a bold move to trigger Article 16 against the EU over the Northern Ireland Protocol next month if she wins the Conservative Leadership Contest. The Foreign Secretary is mulling whether to invoke the mechanism in a potential escalation of the post-Brexit row with Brussels The move would legally pause the pending legal action by the European Union. The UK has until 15th of September to offer a response to the EU warnings of legal action only 10 days after the Tory leadership contest concludes. She already knows that she's going to get opposition from the House of Lords to her plans, but today members of the European Parliament have called on Brussels to improve trade sanctions This trust is said to be considering a bold move to trigger Article 16 against the EU over the Northern Ireland Protocol next month if she wins the Conservative Leadership Contest. The Foreign Secretary is mulling over whether to invoke the mechanism in a potential escalation of the post-Brexit row with Brussels. The move would legally pause the pending legal action by the European Union. The UK has until the 15th of September to offer a response to the EU warning of legal action, only 10 days after the Tory leadership contest concludes. Ms Truss already knows that she's going to get considerable opposition to this from the House of Lords, and members of the European Parliament have called on Brussels today to impose trade sanctions if Liz Truss unilaterally dismantles the Northern Ireland Brexit deal. So we could be facing another Brexit stalemate stalemate in our in relationship with the EU. Thanks, you, and time for our news chat.
0: Let's talk about our new Prime Minister, whoever that may be, but I think a clever move by the Queen to make him or her go to Balmoral, introduce them to the Scottish challenge early. A recent article in the newspapers says that Brexit is one of the biggest challenges that Liz Trust, if she wins, will face. But I don't know about you, Hugh, but I've got no clue as to how she will go about it. What's your thinking here?
1: I think this is all really quite interesting stuff. I mean, in recent opinion polls, uh, 60% um, of the population don't think that Brexit's going well. So Brexit is something that can't be just pushed under the bed. It can't be hung out to dry either because there are ongoing problems. It's not just queues at the border. It's not just um, people complaining about extra red tape in terms of their exports it's not just about pre um, of movement and, and the um, lack of visas for foreign workers which are hampering the harvesting of our crops. There's a whole raft of things that are going on. And no one initiative is going to clear this logjam. So whatever she wants, Brexit is still going to be, if not at the very top of her agenda after the cost of living, pretty well near the top.
0: Hmm. All the other things that are going around at the moment. Yesterday, we had a postal strike. So my wife is in town and she wandered across to the picket line where our postie, Jimmy, was there leading everybody, as he always does there. And he says, look, it's not about money. It's not about money. It's about a lot more things than the things are going on. We just can't trust people. We can't trust the government. We can't trust our leaders. And I think Trust is an interesting uh, concept there. That people have are losing trust, aren't they, in politicians?
1: Yes. I mean, I was I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and we both recognised that we were basically excluded. There is no there is no party that we want to vote for. Um, so w- there is a democratic exclusion a- applying to a large slice of the population. Um, we don't feel motivated to vote for anyone because. Over the last eight, nine years, we've seen politicians who disregard the law. We've had politicians who are, frankly, far more keen on their dogma than they are on finding pragmatic solutions to real issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this is actually facing a backlash from, 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 the, um, from the British public. And, and therefore, you're finding the British public are supporting a lot of these strikes. Because your postman's right is not just about the money, although that forms a significant part of it, particularly with the cost of living problems that we're facing. But it's a, it's a position of democratic accountability. Um, and I think that's what politicians have got to face up to. They're not going to go on the hustings or, you know, tout for votes in the same way they did before because people will just turn a blind eye and say well they would say that wouldn't they and they don't believe them and you see that you know the 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 the, you know shark-like smile of rishi sunak and and the constant protestations of tax cuts will fix the problem from liz trust none of that will cut ice except maybe with members of the conservative party and it's frankly it's a bribe
0: yes yes yeah interesting Thanks, you, uh, And now for my pre-recorded Malcolm's Monologue. In this new normal of uncertainty and volatility that's hallmark in these 2020s, you'll have to think and act agile. Too businesses can't do it. They are so bound up in their slow and pedantic processes, they lack entrepreneurial flair. So let me give you my five characteristics of an agile business. First you need to have an adaptable and agile structure. That means your business processes need to be clear, accountable and flexible. The ability to react quickly is essential in true agility. That means discovering and ridding yourself of those processes that are cumbersome, meaningless and downright costly it also means getting rid of what i call the dippies in your business dippies are delight prevention officers who take delight in hindering progress retrain them or reassign second a business has to be strategically determined with great leadership this comes from the top where there is a strong purpose and vision that is cascaded right down and throughout the business Good leadership is vital, but knowing where you're going to is essential. There has to be total buy-in. Oh, and those that won't, well, they need to get out. And my third offering is that you need to have a team of ignited people. Nothing says Agile more than a vibrant, well-led, and entrepreneurial team. Too many have the characteristic of, no, now what's the question? Like computer says no. Rather, you want to unleash the power of your people. They want to be on a winning team, energise them by teaching them agility, teach them that it's okay to take a risk and that sometimes failure can happen. Fourthly, you need to become a flow, which is not the wife of the cartoon character, Andy Cap, but rather it stands for a faster learning organisation. In my coaching work, I'm constantly amazed how unaware businesses are about what's going on around them. They miss trends and so they miss opportunity. You need to be constantly scanning, constantly learning. Use tools such as Mention.com or Google Alerts or Google Trends to be first with the news. Know how to read between the lines and see opportunity. You also need to be scanning your key competitors. The fifth and final of my five agile characteristics is truly embedding technology. Now, this is not just the ability to use a software program or a piece of kit, but it's knowing what it does for your customer and the market, how it does it, and how it gives you an advantage. So reflection, if you can manage all these five, you're well on your way to being a truly agile business and managing both the risk and the opportunity of uncertainty. So reflect, where are you strong and where are you weak? It's time now for our new feature, Focus On. With this episode, it's Focus On Australia. So Hugh, this show wouldn't be happening between us if I'd had the guts nearly 40 years ago to accept the job as tourism marketing manager in Queensland. (laughs) A good illustration of my poor decision-making, says my wife. But most weeks, I'm Zooming there for BBTV interviews and meeting some very enterprising businesses. Do you think there is opportunity for UK companies to profitably trade with Oz?
1: Yes, indeed I do. Um, and I think we've come a long way between, from uh, when our main export to Australia was convicts. Um, yeah. We've we've actually got 1.6% of our exports going to Australia at the moment. Now that amounts to about 5.1 billion pounds, not a great deal, really. Um, and we have an adverse balance of payment situation with Australia because we import more from them than we export to Australia. But we've moved a long way since, you know, we were investing in infrastructure and the Sydney Harbour Bridge and the rail infrastructure and all the rest of it. And looking at the figures, it's quite interesting. Our exports are increasing. Um, The main ones seem to be machinery and vehicles, pharmaceutical products, medical apparatus, plastics and clothing. Um, So it's a broad spread, really. Electronics is, is also quite strong and and from there we are we're importing um minerals precious metals and wine some 365 million bottles a year um and as a result of the recently announced trade deal with australia um you know we're looking at basically 5 pence off a bottle of wine um but the nfu uh, and others are, are not so happy about the the trade in meat where um again it's a it's an argument about welfare standards Um, And there is a timetable whereby Australia will be allowed to increase their um, meat exports to the UK, um, which the NFU say threatens British farmers and British livelihoods. I, I think the other thing to bear in mind is that a recent survey said that the new Australian trade deal actually benefited Australia six times more than it benefited Britain. But that doesn't mean there aren't um, opportunities um, around. I mean, for example, uh, Australia ditched the deal with, to buy French submarines and they're buying basically a, a, a UK um, and uh, US model of submarine. Um, and that, in terms of servicing and all the rest of it, will will add, will add up to more than a row of beans. It will be quite significant. And there will be other defence contracts that we might well pick up. Um project management um, mm-hmm. i mean at the moment australia is burning a lot of coal to generate the energy it requires and yet it could um, if it used solar power completely eliminate that because you know the sunshine states in australia get an awful lot of sunshine uh, and that could p- completely change the game but you know here in the uk we're we're experts at that And we could actually um, do a lot uh, in terms of project managing some of the the projects that are emerging in Australia. And, of course, the other one is is food and drink. You know, everything from McVitie's biscuits um, to our own sparkling wine. You know, these are things that Australians want to have. So there are certainly a lot of opportunities. And, of course, with the trade deal, uh, there is no duty anymore or very marginal duty. Um, So... The situation has changed, and I think for enterprising exporters, there will be opportunities. But my one caution is remember, Australia is 12,500 miles away, and that imposes challenges in the supply chain and shipping, and making sure that you actually get the products to market at the right time um, without your transport costs eating up all your profit.
0: Mm. And there also is communication uh, challenges. I mean, I do my interviews uh, with uh, my Australian colleagues at 8 a.m. here, and it's obviously into the evening there. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm in California, and it can be quite actually tiring. Now, I I think my uh, areas of caution are don't treat the Australians um, as just – simple English people. They're not. They're very proud of what they've achieved in the country there. And um, they're they're really good thinkers. They're exceptionally good thinkers. A lot of the people I've been interviewing have been in the UK's corporate world for, well, 25 years or more, is Jimmy uh, there. And they've made a whole new career in Australia, using their ability their knowledge and everything that they gain from the uk so lots of opportunity thanks you for um our focus on australia (music) bye for now
1: excellent well done i think that I that i think that went quite well
0: As always, no Brexit business show would be complete without our, to the point, Hugh's view. So what's your focus on this episode, Hugh?
1: Well, indeed, we have to focus, I think, on the Conservative Leadership Party contest since it's uh, less than a week now before we know who is actually going to be our next Prime Minister. And um, what will it mean for our standing in Europe and around the world? Um, Liz Truss has already had a pop at French President Macron, who politely shot back, saying the English were staunch allies of France, despite their choice of leader. I thought it was a, an interesting way of putting it. Um, and the United States has made it very clear that any threat to the Good Friday peace deal will jeopardize any chance of a trade deal with the USA. So the stakes are high. Um, and countries around the world sense opportunity in a post-Brexit world. Um, we've already talked about the Australian trade deal, and it's already prompted adverse comments. Economists say, as I said, it's six times better for Australia than the UK. And the NFU, the National Farmers Union, has expressed fears that greater meat imports will destabilise our livestock industry. Um, and no one would argue that the PM will have an empty in tray. Um, or a clash of priorities. But the stakes are high. It will take experience and the wisdom of Solomon to navigate through these myriad problems that we face. There will be no honeymoon and no room for mistakes. Um, So let's hope the successful candidate won't buckle under the pressure. Thanks, Hugh we trust
0: you've enjoyed this second edition of our brexit show format our new format there's a new episode every fortnight and next time our focus on country will be the united states of america thanks for watching or listening do get in touch with us mg at bizvision.co.uk mg at bizvision.co.uk if you'd like us to cover any subject